Hey folks, welcome to the Great Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Smith, and this is where we discuss five big topics. The gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, and training for Christians, all in relation to the truth of God's word in Genesis as the seedbed, as the foundation of all Christian doctrines. Now, what we're going to be asking today is this. Who's teaching our children? What are they teaching them? And what have the results been? You know, some of the most heartbreaking moments I've experienced over the years have been when I was explaining to my church audiences how over 70% of young people from Christian homes who attend state-run public schools abandon the faith. And, you know, many times as you're scanning the audience, the attendees, you, you could see a kind of a stiffening of a hub's, husband's back while his, his wife's face, you know, became overcome with grief. They were taking it personally, undoubtedly because they have experienced a child fall away from the faith, so to speak. And that isn't surprising because 70% is a big number. And it's probably why the couple two rows over and two rows down and the other couple sitting across the aisle from them were often having the same reaction. You see, the sad fact is the Christian church has been bleeding its young people out of the church at catastrophic rates now for decades. Now, of course, sometimes after I was done speaking, folks would want to engage me in private conversation, kind of tell me their experience. And it often had a very similar outline. Something like, you know, we just don't know what happened to little Johnny, you know, i.e. their son or daughter had been raised in a godly environment, loved going to youth group, reading the Bible, attending church, and, you know, they'd recall an altar call where their nine-year-old child went forward and gave their heart to Jesus, and they went home, and they celebrated the event with, you know, such joy. But now Johnny's 17. He's got blue hair. His favorite band's Marilyn Manson. And his face looked like it got caught in a staple gun. It's got so much steel hanging out of it. And we just don't know what happened. Okay, that was probably a tad hyperbolic. But you get the gist. Everything seemed to be just fine. And then, click, all of a sudden, there was resistance. Well, I don't want to go to church. You're forcing me. You know, not everybody thinks like you do, mom and dad. And that's certainly the case here in Canada. You know, there really aren't many Christians here percentage-wise at all in Canada anymore, especially ones who stand on the authority of the Word of God without compromise. So what happened? Well, even with all of the wide variety of personalities, situations, and circumstances, it's actually quite easy to figure out. Let's go to Scripture. Luke 6, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, there's a big clue. Who specifically is teaching the vast majority of children from Christian homes educated in the state-run schools that they attend, especially at the higher levels of learning when they are fully trained? Well, author Vox Day's uh, 2008 study on atheism called The Irrational Atheist, contained the following quotes. A 2006 paper by Neil Gross of Harvard and Solon Simmons of George Mason University reported that 72.9% of the professors they polled described the Bible as an ancient book of fables, legends, history, 
and moral precepts. Now, if that's true, that's roughly 70% of university professors, I mean, they're pretty atheistic in their thinking. You know, even if it was just 50%. Well, then, then what worldview are they likely imparting to their students? And considering that any one educator can affect thousands of students during their career, this is important to think through because the very word of God says that they will become like them at least to some degree. Firstly, because atheists have, have to have a way of explaining their existence without God, all thinking atheists are evolutionists. And evolution is taught as fact in all Western state-run school systems. So quite literally, the bedrock of atheism is taught as fact and science in the Western education system. And the majority of higher educators are themselves atheists. So what's the result? Well, you've got atheists teaching atheism to produce more atheists. You don't, you don't believe it? Well, several studies have shown that this current generation, Gen Z, is the most atheistic in outlook of any generation we've seen in modern times. Even amongst those who don't fully succumb and maintain some semblance of faith, they're often very compromised, trying to somehow make the story of evolution fit with the Bible, of course, but it doesn't. And as the story of evolution is the most antithetical worldview to the Christian faith, those that have been immersed in it often, well, they almost seem immunized against the gospel message. And I know this from personal experience. You know, I distinctly remember, and I often share this event with church audiences, two incidences in my life that really highlighted this. The first was uh, a time when I was meeting a pastor friend of mine at a coffee shop and arrived early. And so I was working on my laptop when a, a well-dressed gentleman, he kind of approached me and asked me if I was a, a client of his that he'd never seen face-to-face before he was having a meeting there. So I kind of jokingly explained I wasn't the droid he was looking for, and we struck, struck up a typical, you know, we said, what do you do for a living type conversation, and I told him that uh, I, I was a youth pastor, that's what I was at the time. He never blinked an eye, he said, oh, that's great, and you know, he was a very friendly guy, obviously well-educated. And we continued talking for a, for a little while about various subjects until he finally asked me, uh, so what are you working on on your computer? So I told him I was working on an article debunking the story of evolution. Well, all of a sudden, everything changed. He, he, his, his countenance, you know, it, it transformed. And he, and he sat very upright and he swiveled towards me. His expression became, you know, very serious, kind of almost hostile. And the first thing he blurted out was this, well, well, what about carbon dating? <laughs> and I have to admit, I was, I was kind of taken aback by his change in attitude, as well as this specifically, you know, extremely specific choice of question that he chose to lead with. Remember, he, he hadn't reacted when I told him I was, a, I was a youth pastor, you know, likely because it didn't overtly challenge his belief system. He probably thought, well, you know, there's religious people in the world. Some of them were good people. And I was probably helping young people with moral teaching, etc. But when I told him that I didn't believe in the story of evolution, it challenged his worldview directly. And he responded with something he thought was solid evidence that backed his position. Carbon-14 dating, supposedly showing that the Bible's chronology isn't accurate. See, essentially, though I hadn't meant to be provocative by stating I didn't believe in his belief about our ultimate origins, 
what I'd done is kicked him right in the worldview. Now, another time occurred when I was out uh, on one of the GO teams, the gospel outreach teams from my local church, evangelizing on the streets of London, Ontario. And so there were four of us in this group, we're passing out tracks, uh, engaging people when we came upon two young men at a, at a bus stop, which they couldn't run away without missing the ride, so that was great. And our team leader began sharing the gospel with them. Well, one fellow, he, he just turned away, he wasn't listening at all. And the other fellow, he was listening kind of impatiently, right, to the most important message that any human being could hear. He was listening to the gospel. And finally, after an, an entire gospel presentation, when, you know, when he could get a word in edgewise, he, he kind of stepped back and he, and he blurted out this. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what do you Christians believe about dinosaurs? First thing he said. Now, our team leader, he seemed a little dumbfounded, <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and pointed at me and because he knew I was involved in creation apologetics. And, and uh, the guy looked at me and, and I started to explain to him. I said, dinosaurs, great. They're, they're a great way of confirming the truth of the Bible. And I started, he was like, what are you talking about? And I started explaining soft tissue, red blood cells, and even fragments of DNA had been found in dinosaur bones, which was strong evidence that they died just a little while ago, not millions and millions of years ago. Now, same thing happened, but this time his demeanor improved. We started to have a great conversation, great conversations about the truth of the Bible. And he was engaged. He was interested. Unfortunately, his bus came and our conversation ended prematurely. But the dramatic change from boredom hearing this message to being engaged was pretty profound. Why the change? Now think about it. Why was it that just moments prior, when this person was listening to the most important information any human being could hear, the gospel, he was bored, he was unengaged, he was impatient. Why do you think his big question was about dinosaurs when the real topic being discussed was the reality of his sin and the need for salvation? I think it was likely because he'd been taught what I was taught in public schools. Dinosaurs evolved into birds over millions of years, which meant in his mind that creation isn't true, which means the Bible can't be trusted. So why are these Christians telling me some story about some dead guy that came back to life to save me from my sins based on some fairy tale book? I think that is the root. You see, the story of evolution, it's a replacement for the creator God of the Bible. So likely all of the words in the gospel presentation seem meaningless to him in light of what he'd been taught. You see, dinosaurs are evolution's poster boys. So he brought out his ace card to trump the silly Christians, probably believing that we wouldn't have cogent answers which would justify his unbelief. Now, here, here's another thing. Don't underestimate the power of the media. You know, another extremely powerful teacher of our youth is the faceless, nameless, megalithic entity we'll, we'll simply call media. News shows, movies, video games, etc. almost always portray a re reality devoid of anything reflecting the things of God and his word. And this really hit home to me. Years ago, when I was relaxing one afternoon, watching an episode of Star Trek, and my youngest daughter, likely around six at the time, walked in and sat down with me. And after watching with me for about five minutes, she looked at me and said something very profound. She looked at me, she turned and she pointed at the TV and said, so, so God's not in this? 
And it was a real gut punch that I never forgot because see her unfiltered mind had nailed it. Most entertainment assumes God doesn't exist and has nothing to do with anything except perhaps some dusty, discarded, primitive belief system from the past. And in an age where media is consumed faster than dough at a pizza party, we need to recognize that there's a tremendous amount of messaging going into children's minds that stands in opposition to the truth of God's word. Much of it is more passive but much of it is definitely purposefully driven by the ideology of those who wish to push a godless society. As Richard Rorty, the former professor of philosophy at Princeton University and a self-proclaimed postmodernist said, he said, the fundamentalist parents of our fundamentalist students think that the entire American liberal establishment is is engaged in a conspiracy. And the parents have a point. We do our best to convince these students of the benefits of secularization. So we're going to go right on trying to discredit you in the eyes of your children, trying to strip your fundamentalist religious community of a dignity, and trying to make your views seem silly rather than discussable. And they've done a very good job at doing that. This is exactly what many educators have done. They've made belief in the Bible in general and a literal genesis specifically, seem silly to most people. Hence the mocking questions that Christians often hear. I mean, hardy har har, you don't believe in a talking snake, do you? You can't believe all the races only came from two people, Adam and Eve, do you? You think that dinosaurs and people coexisted, that the Flintstones was a documentary? You believe in a Jewish zombie that saves people from hell, hardy har har, silly Christians. They mock and they denigrate And they do it and they teach your children that. Answers in Genesis have been alerting Christian parents for years now to the dangers of teaching materialistic naturalism to children. And we've cited studies done by credible evangelical statisticians showing the catastrophic amount of young people falling away because of the faith-killing effect the story of evolution has had on the next generation. In a comprehensive study called the National Study of Youth and Religion, the NSYR, headed up by a uh, a fellow named Christian Smith, uh, professor of sociology of Notre Dame, uh, further supports what we've been saying. This study, conducted over a 16-year time period between 1999 and 2015, this NSYR, it's the most extensive sociological project on youth and religion that's ever been undertaken. It not only sampled over 2,000 13 to 17-year-olds from all over the U.S. interacting and collecting data on participants in in a variety of ways, including ongoing extensive personal interviews, but it also started with them in their teens and followed them into their late 20s, asking in-depth questions regarding faith, spirituality, family, and moral behavior. And the voluminous quantity of data that they were able to record and analyze produced numerous reports, articles, books, and multimedia presentations from their responses. And one of them is an online lecture on YouTube from Christian Smith, this fellow, explaining the NSYR's uh, findings titled, How American Youth Misunderstand Science or Religion. And it's a real compelling watch. So let me just share some of the comments he makes. Now in it, Professor Smith specifically addresses how the topic of science affects youth in America. 
explaining his research indicates that 7 out of 10 college-age emerging adults believe there's a conflict between science and religion and that, quote-unquote, religion is always the loser. However, his research shows that these students' conclusions were reached much earlier on in life. He says that it was by age 13 that 70% of youth from all Christian denominations indicate that they strongly agree that the teachings of science and religion often ultimately conflict with each other. And one conclusion he makes is this. Nearly all American youth associate science with evidence and proof, but associate religion with blind faith and private subjective opinion. 70%. Of course, Smith's presentation makes no reference to the important differentiation between operational and historical science, but then again, most secular educators don't either, so it's not truly that surprising. Um, But see, what, what Smith is really referring to here isn't actually a conflict between science and religion, but the manufactured story of evolution contrasted with true biblical history. By science, he's not referring to observable chemistry and biology and geology, etc. And this very real conflict is reflected in a particularly revealing quote that Smith uses in his presentation from a, a student participant who said this, I mean, there's proven scientific fact, and then there's what's written in the Bible, and they don't match up. So it's kind of whatever you want to believe. There's fact, and then there's a book, and some people just don't want to believe the truth of science. So a crucial point that Answers in Genesis has been making for years is that young people need creation apologetics training from very, very early on. Because those who don't get answers from an early age are often extremely vulnerable to apostasy. The data's in, and it's conclusive. Most young people from Christian homes that attend state-run schools already believe scientific facts disagree with religion by the end of junior high. And they're already gone mentally before they even enter college or university. Overwhelmingly, these young people cite science, read evolution, as the reason they don't believe the Bible and they reject the faith of their parents. And the vast majority have never received effective teaching on creation apologetics. So be wise with those who are teaching your children and supply a steady antidote of God's word and a solid apologetic understanding of it for the spiritual health of your kids. As scripture says, you shall teach them to your children, talking of them while you're sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. That's Deuteronomy 11, verse 19. As always, if you're appreciating this content, please visit the AnswersInGenesis.ca website. Tons of material on there that you can share with your kids and and to learn for yourself. And please consider uh, making a donation to the ministry. And of course, whatever platform you're accessing this on has all sorts of bells and whistles, some way to um, allow you to like or share or subscribe or write a review, some type of thing like that. We'd really appreciate you taking the time to do that. It doesn't cost you anything, but it's probably the best thing that you could do to help us continue to do outreach. So until next time, I'm Cal Smith. Blessings to you and yours. Mm -hmm.